Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I swear that what I'm about to tell you is true, and I must clarify that I did work in a secretive government program. Under the Obama administration, we were tasked with analyzing cryptids, those mysterious and often elusive creatures like Bigfoot and Dogman. Our program operated far from the public eye, hidden away in the shadows, and most of our work was classified. One day, while deep in the heart of our research, we received a startling piece of information that had everyone in the office buzzing. Something huge was being captured at a local national park, and the government wanted us to investigate. The urgency was palpable, and it felt as if we were about to be given a unique opportunity to uncover the truth behind these enigmatic beings. I was part of a small team, and we arrived at the National Park just as the sun was beginning to set. The air was thick with anticipation, and our hearts raced as we ventured deeper into the wilderness. Armed with equipment for data collection and recording, we had no idea what we were about to witness. As we journeyed into the park, the sense of urgency became overwhelming. 
I couldn't help but feel a strange mixture of excitement and trepidation. We followed the distant sounds of vehicles and people, which led us to a clearing bathed in the dimming twilight. There it was, a creature beyond belief sprawled on the ground. My heart pounded in my chest as I gazed at the enormous being that lay motionless before us. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. This creature was colossal with matted fur and a frame that seemed almost inhuman. Its eyes were open, but there was no life left in them. The sheer size of it was astonishing, and I couldn't believe we were finally face to face with something so extraordinary. The scene was surreal, but what shocked me even more were the people surrounding the creature dressed in what appeared to be police uniforms. They were pulling a massive cadaver-like bag, presumably meant to contain the colossal creature. It was a surreal and unsettling sight, and it made me wonder just how long the government had known about these cryptids and what their intentions were. I decided to take a risk and document the scene. I stealthily reached for my camera, lifted it towards the extraordinary sight before me, and pressed the shutter. The flash of the camera illuminated the area for just an instant, but that was long enough for one of the individuals in police attire to spot me. Fear clenched at my chest, and my heart raced as the realization hit me that I had been seen. I knew that I needed to escape, or the consequences could be dire. In a blind panic, I turned and fled, leaving behind my colleagues, my work, and the secrets we had spent years unearthing. I never returned to my government job. The fear of what I'd stumbled upon that day haunted me. I couldn't shake the feeling that we were just scratching the surface of something far larger and more enigmatic than I had ever imagined. The government's involvement, the creatures we were investigating, and the secrets they held were too much for me to bear. My life took a different path after that day, but I knew one thing for sure. Something truly extraordinary existed in our world, something that was kept hidden for reasons unknown. The images I captured remain a secret, bury away, just like the cryptids we studied. Has anyone encountered granola-like people? I am a 20-year-old male, and for years I've witnessed two granola-textured people. My first encounter was at the age of five when I lived in my home in Kansas. They were about three feet two inches tall, with yellow eyes and skin that was textured like granola. I would wake up in the middle of the night to see these two things staring back at me. I would often just close my eyes really hard or turn the other way. The countless times I'd tell my parents they'd brush it off as a kid just being a kid, understandable. Although one day, when I woke up after them being there the previous night, there were two sets of tiny handprints on my bedside. They weren't human handprints, but more of two sets of where someone put their fingerless hand. The handprints were made up of a disgusting-smelling granola-textured substance. My parents, baffled by it, brushed it off as me having a midnight snack. These encounters happened the entire three years I lived in Kansas. Now I've lived in several other states where I continued to encounter these things. Now I understand as a child we are impressionable to certain things, but I know I physically saw these things and continued to see them well into my teen years. 
I have encounters in the other states I've lived, but this post would be an essay. Has anyone encountered anything similar? I have yet to find a similar case to this and would be interested to hear from the community. Around 15 years ago, I was in the Swiss Alps snowboarding. At night, I went outside to smoke a cigarette and heard a strange howling sound. I thought nothing at that time and went inside again to the cozy fire, a beer and a book. An hour later, I went outside again to smoke, and there was still the strange howling. What animal does such strange noises, I thought. But not minding, I went inside again to fire beer and book. Around midnight, I went for my good night smoke. Scanning the mountainside while listening to the howling that was still going on, I saw a small black dot in the white landscape, which I thought wasn't there before, and it was also in the general direction of the sound. By now, I was bursting with curiosity, so I took my gear and went outside. After an hour navigating through the hilly mountainside, I was near the source of the howling, and I could see the black god in a snowfield some hundred meters down the hill. I must have bypassed it while orientating by sound. From how big it was in the distance, I thought it could be a fox or maybe a small lynx. Careful, I got nearer. When I was some twenty meters away, I shockingly discovered that it was a little boy crying or screaming or howling. He wasn't dressed for a winter night either. When I talked to him, he told me that he ran away from home because his mean sister destroyed his favorite toy. In the end, I had to carry him home because he couldn't feel his feet anymore. They were making holy days in a secluded house in the mountains. Since there was light in the house and smoke out of the chimney, I let him walk the last ten meters to his house alone and waited till he was inside. When I was younger, my dad, his friend, or his friend's family, my brother and I, used to go on holidays to the outback. Now we live in Australia, so the outback is quite vast and secluded. One time we were camping somewhere near the Simpson Desert in the middle of absolutely nowhere. No towns for almost 1,000 kilometers, and all we slept in were swags like canvas tents in the shape of a sleeping bag. But you have a sleeping bag inside and a thin mattress on the bottom. So basically, the only thing separating your face from the outside world is a little bit of fly netting. On this particular night, we heard a lot of strange, creepy sounds during the night. And while I was sleeping, fortunately, or I would have freaked out, Dad watched warily as a dingo stood right beside me, staring at my face, deciding whether or not to attack me. Dad said he was poised to defend me if the dingo attacked, but fortunately, we left some food out. So instead of eating me, the dingoes ate the leftover food. It was pretty darn creepy, knowing that if they hadn't found food, they would have likely attacked us, and me in particular. First of all, let me clarify that this is happening at my brother's house, not mine. The house has been around a little over a hundred years. My grandparents lived there for at least fifty years. My brother and his wife bought the house when they sold it. Every time I was over there as a kid, I felt like I was being watched. The upstairs was the worst. 
especially the room next to the stairs, you just feel like you're not alone. Here's what they've told me. Pretty much every single night they hear footsteps all throughout the house. If they ask whatever it is to stop, it stops immediately. One day my sister-in-law, his wife, was home alone and heard my brother's voice coming from the baby monitor on the first floor. The other two monitors were on the second floor in my niece and nephew's bedrooms. It sounded exactly like him, but she called and made sure he was at work, not at the house. One night my nephew woke up around 3 a.m. to see what he described as a dark shape of a little boy looking into his bedroom. He said the boy started running down the hall to the room by the stairs, but when my nephew went in there, he was gone. He drew a picture of this little boy, but my nephew was six when it happened. He's eight now, so it was just a stick figure. The land itself used to be part of a property of a very old house up the road. I'm pretty sure they owned slaves back in the day. My first thought was maybe it's the ghost of a slave who was buried on the property, but that doesn't explain the voices right. Can ghosts mimic the living, or is this something else? What do you guys think? So two of my friends snuck out last summer and took a walk listening to music, decided to sit down on the road and talked a bit, and they both heard a distant scream that sounded pretty similar to an elk screech, but for like one second in duration. So they turned off the music and saw a huge humanoid horse-looking thing sprint out of this forest into a field, and they said it was running really fast, like 40 miles per hour. They said it was kind of hunched and had a limp, was lean but muscular, and was completely pale or gray and naked. They both sprinted home and FaceTimed each other. When they got home and told me and a few others about it the next day, I was in disbelief, so I snuck out on my bike the next night with my other friend and met up with the two original people, along with some others, and went looking for it. We heard the noises they described, and me and my one friend saw a pale Bigfoot-looking creature walk in front of someone's barn, light like 300 yards away, but we're not sure. We continued to do this for a few nights, and one of them was walking to meet up with us alone. They go looking for it, and had seen it like five times on the walk there, sometimes like 20 feet in front of him. We probably all went looking for it like six or seven times in total. The last time we went looking, we all saw it, and it was super tall, like eight, ten feet, super fast, and had these glowing eyes you could see from a mile away. I'm pretty sure I also saw it have these long, greasy locks or strands of hair about shoulder length. Looked like a mix between a crawler, Aaron Jagger Titan form, and Jeff the Killer. It was creepy. And when it was on pavement, you could hear clopping noises like it had hooves or something. Aside from this, I was on a late-night gas station walk later that summer with two of my friends at three in the morning, and on our way back, we saw something run or hobble across the road about 70 yards in front of us, and it looked pretty similar. However, it was much smaller, maybe five feet tall, but I could see it being maybe seven feet if it was standing fully upright. Does anybody have an idea of what this massive thing could be? This was in rural northeast Ohio. Edit was reading this over and forgot to add. 
We were walking on the way back to my friend's house one of the nights, and behind somebody's house, we heard the noise of a baby crying in the woods. Couldn't have been mistaken for anything else but a baby. I did my undergrad at this tiny little college in the middle of a mountain range, literally miles and miles of woods on every side. I think about 100 acres was technically the school's property, but except for the weird high-security facility a few miles to the east, none of the neighbors cared if kids went hiking onto their property as long as they weren't destructive and wore bright colors during hunting season at a kid. The year above me get a calf full of birdshot after running into their property with a turkey call. Anyways, the point is there is or was a lot of woods and a lot of trail markers. Mine, now X, still very violent or nutty, fiancé was in a grad program in the city. So we were living apart. I was planning on going on a quick two-mile walk through the woods on a well-marked trail just to see the lake, D stress from midterms, etc. Relationship was extremely rocky at this point, and I get a phone call right before I start the trail. What it was about doesn't matter. The important part was that it was essentially a napalm bomb to the heart and my trust in humanity. Not trying to be dramatic, I was just a sensitive kid. So I took off sprinting down the trailhead, tears running down my face. Figured I'd take a slightly different trail that goes up a steep incline and maybe just burn myself out. It works, kind of. I'm catching my breath and still sobbing, and I hear a group of people on the trail headed towards me. Not wanting to be known as the crying girl in the woods and not entirely in my right mind, I took off running in a random direction, passing a lot of the tree houses and forts that people make in the woods telling myself I know where I am and that I hike these woods often and can find my way back to either the trail entrance or to the road. I jumped two creeks, which in hindsight should have stopped me because that meant I was straying way off campus. But I kept going, slipping on branches and then picking a new direction to run in. I was a dumb kid. I was a really dumb kid. There were a couple turkey vultures following me, which wasn't too surprising. Kids left food out pretty often, so they tended to be watchful. On long hikes by myself, I'd often sing to them when they tagged along. I started getting tired and slowed down to a walk, heading towards a small clearing with some toppled birch trees to sit on. My face was all messed up, and my hair had little sticks and leaves in it, but I wasn't crying anymore. I lit a cigarette and stared at the ground and felt pretty damn sorry for myself. At some point, I stopped feeling pretty damn sorry for myself and started feeling jumpy, kind of tingly, and everything I saw had this new level of sharpness and clarity to it. It wasn't really a feeling that I was being watched, more like I was somewhere I really, really didn't belong. It was starting to get dark. I had no cell service. The only thing I had on me besides my phone was a lighter pack of cigarettes and small pocket knife, shorts, tea, shirt, light windbreaker. I was literally searching rescue's worst nightmare. Trying to calm myself down, I tried to find any trail markers. None. Didn't recognize anything around me, couldn't hear any running water, and was too turned around to know where the road was. 
It was getting pretty chilly, and the woods were starting to make that sound that I can only describe as teeming. I didn't want to wander in a random direction, but the feeling of dread kept getting stronger and stronger, so I slowing started walking. Started hearing things, mostly whispers which I figured I was hallucinating due to dehydration or exhaustion. And then the shadows. It was the strangest thing, these tall, thin shadows being cast on the trees. I would have chalked it up to the sunset, but the movement of them was unnatural, and I kept catching them in the corner of my eye. They kind of swayed, or kind of jumped. It was a strange juxtaposition between how thoroughly creeped out I was and how pretty the sunset was that night. I remember looking at the sky, trying to calm myself down and pick a direction that felt right. But no direction felt right. I kept getting turned around, heard a few distinctive twig snaps in the distance. A wicked chill ran down my spine, and at this point I wasn't thinking eldritch forest elves. I was thinking bobcat or black bear. Started sniffling and crying silently again because I knew I had messed up. I was fifty shades of paranoid dehydrated, and I pray to God hallucinating. And then I heard a rustle of wings that just about scared the shit out of me, and I looked up, and there was the vulture, just looking at me. I was so out of it that I think I asked it for help. It stared at me for a few more seconds and then took off. It landed on a branch a few meters away and stared at me doing the angry feather fluff thing that they do. Walked up to the tree it was perched in, and it took off again and landed on another branch a ways away. So I did what any sane person would do in that situation, and followed the vulture. The feeling of dread slowly wore away, and I started feeling okay. It was such a polite vulture waiting for me to catch up and then flying off again. I don't remember how long I followed it, just that it was a while, and even when it was getting really twilight. Dusky out, I still felt safe. I started recognizing landmarks, glacial boulders, the tree forts and could hear voices up ahead. The vulture lead me a few more meters right onto the main trail and then stayed put. I thanked it, apologized, and made my way towards the group of people camped out. I knew a bunch of the kids. They freaked out. I was promptly handed hot tea and french fries. They asked how the hell I made my way out there, and I just shrugged. I didn't feel like sharing about the vulture, and when I tried to spot him again, he'd flown off. Here's the real scary part of the story, though. No one realized I was gone. I lived alone, and my friends had assumed that I wasn't answering texts because I was studying. It was also a Friday, meaning that no one would have even thought it strange I was gone, as I often left to the city without telling anyone for the weekend. Essentially, no one would have even started looking until Monday, at which point I might have been either bobcat food or a sacrifice to the deer god. So thank you, my kind vulture friend. Vultures are hands down my favorite animals now. I recently received a telephone call from a friend of an eyewitness who was born and raised in a northwest suburb of Chicago, Illinois. The only specific location reference was given as near the Dees Plains River. The eyewitness D discussed multiple sightings from 1978 through 1988 while he lived there as a boy. 
The sightings would usually occur at dusk and would continue throughout the night, and there were at least two winged creatures always seen flying in a wide circle at an altitude of 500-600 feet. The creatures were silhouetted against the clouds that were backlit by the city lights. The description of these creatures was that there was no head or neck that could be seen. They had long, thick tails, but no legs or feet were visible. The huge wings had no feathers, but were membranes similar to that of a dragon or proterosaur. Apparently, the neighborhood residents were well aware of the nightly sightings. When I was 18, my then boyfriend and I were outside and we heard footsteps, so we got scared and ran inside. When we finally worked up the nerve to go back out so he could leave, I reached for the doorknob and the doorknob started shaking and there was a simultaneous loud knocking on the door. We started screaming, of course, and went and woke up my father who went outside with a gun and nothing was there. My father has lived there for 60 years and isn't one that believes in paranormal anything. He makes comments about the noises and had someone tear down the crosses and the fence after I told him about what I had learned. He would never admit it, but I'm sure he's probably seen things too. This incident occurred in 2004. I was working as a park ranger at Cuyahoga Valley National Park in north-central Ohio. I knew nothing about Ohio since I had grown up on the west coast. I had actually volunteered for the 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift when it was available. I was a night owl at the time. One night around 3 a.m. I got this alert from one of the campsites saying that they couldn't find their friend. That part of that particular campground was out on a small peninsula. There were some coves and curved roads that made it easy to get turned around walking at night. It actually happened a lot. I got there and the friends seemed a little more scared than usual. They said that they had been searching for an hour already and there was no sign of their friend. They all seemed to be about 18 to 20 years old and smelled of alcohol. I didn't call law enforcement right away because often a drunk person would fall asleep on someone else's chair or picnic table, so we were usually able to find them soon enough. The missing friend had been sleeping in a tent by himself while the rest were still sitting around the fire. Apparently, he was too tired to stay awake anymore and had gone into his tent to lie down. They said around 2 a.m. they heard him rustling around in his tent. They went over to help him out and to see what was going on. He had walked into the nearby trees to relieve himself, but then he didn't come back out the trees. There shouldn't have been much of an area to get lost in. We all kept calling his cell phone. It rang, but there was no answer. I was concerned about drowning too, so I followed his footsteps in the mud, which I was assuming were his. The footprints then stopped abruptly well before the water still in the trees. I looked around and it didn't seem like he could have jumped anywhere and most of the trees around there were too big to be climbed. The footsteps just ended. They didn't backtrack or anything a little weird. We all kept searching until about 4 a.m. and then called it off. I told him let's just wait until morning. It was most likely that he had fallen asleep out of sight somewhere so they all went back to their tents to try to get some sleep. I was way too wired to go home, so I actually kept at it. 
I was used to staying up all night anyway, and I just wanted to go sit down by the water and stay alert in case I noticed anything. On my way over there, I saw two things dangling down from a tree up ahead, and when I got close enough to see more clearly, I just freaked out. I started backing away. They were feet, but they were not human feet. I just let out this gasp, and then all of a sudden, this thing swooped out of the tree like a bat out of hell. All I could think was that it was some kind of a vulture or something. It was gigantic with probably a ten-foot wingspan, and it had flown down to the water's edge with these huge leathery wings. It was at least as tall as me, and I'm six foot in height. It then turned around, and it looked at me with these red glowing eyes. All of this happened in a matter of seconds. I realized it wasn't any kind of a bird for sure, and it didn't look like it had a beak. It didn't even look like it had a face. I just saw darkness in these red glowing eyes at that point. I became really concerned about the missing friend. I lost it, and I just started yelling at the creature. It turned around, and it ran along the shore until I couldn't see it anymore. I was sure we were about to find a dead body, but then I heard this rustling in the bushes, and this half-naked person comes crawling out. It was the missing friend. When he was able to make sense, he said that he had gone to the lake to wash himself, and the freaky winged thing had scared him half to death. He'd been under the bushes hiding, and had passed out by then. I felt like I wasn't even in my right mind anymore. I took the guy back to the campsite, and I eventually got back to my office and checked out. I couldn't take it anymore. I had no clue how to even begin making sense of it all after that. I decided to switch to the day shift, and it ended up being a lot better for me. I eventually left the job at the park in 2008, moved back west, and now work for the state of California. My dad hunts a lot in deep Florida swamps using hound dogs. So the pack of dogs chase the deer, and he chases the dogs, and it leads him to the deer. Well, late one night, his pack wouldn't come to him when he called them. They were chasing something, something that was freaking them out. It was late, and he was ready for them to stop the chase so he could gather them up and call it a night. He also had a suspicion based off how excited they were that they were tracking a bear and not a deer. Eventually he gets to a shallow but wide creek that the dogs won't pass, and in the twilight he sees what they were tracking. It was about six foot two, covered in reddish black hair, walking upright and stunk. Whatever it was turned back as it was crossing the creek and locked eyes with my dad and his dogs. My dad says it wasn't a bear or a man. Then it disappeared into the bush on the other side. My dad was so freaked out he ran and left his dogs because they still refused to stop chasing it and wouldn't come to him. He only ever found half of his hound pack. He only ever told family about it. This was maybe ten years ago, and I was sailing with my family, moving a sailboat from the Connecticut shore to Boston, and this happened on an extremely foggy day. I also remember the day being pretty windless as well, so we were just motoring along instead of sailing. 
Now the general procedure for sailing in such thick fog is to use radar and foghorns to try to prevent any collisions from happening. At some point we started hearing huge, loud horn blasts, just repeating from somewhere to our right in the fog. It seemed normal enough someone signaling their position to anyone in the vicinity. Then after maybe 15, 20 minutes of sailing and listening to these horn blasts, we eventually came upon what was making them. Maybe 100 feet from our boat, a huge-ass submarine appeared and looked like it's just sitting still. The weird thing was the suddenness of its appearance. Maybe not the creepiest thing in this thread, but an enormous black shape appearing out of the fog at sea was pretty creepy to me at the time. When I was bow hunting with my dad in Nevada, it was about 45 minutes to an hour before sunset and we were walking back to the truck. When you hunt, you hear birds, the wind through the trees, insects. Well, all of a sudden, it just got dead quiet. No wind, no insects, no birds, nothing. You could hear a pin drop. My dad stopped me and told me to get down low. I, of course, thought he saw a cow elk, and so I got down, and we stayed like that for about ten minutes, just straining to hear something. All of a sudden, we could hear birds, the insects, the wind. Once we got back to the truck, I asked him why we were so quiet, because I didn't see any elk. He said there wasn't any elk, but there was something. I asked him if it was a mountain lion. He said something didn't feel right. I've been hunting these mountains for 30 years, never felt what I felt at that mountain. That was five years ago, and my dad doesn't go back to that area to hunt. Was spending a summer with my grandmother, who lives in southern coastal Oregon. We were taking a walk through one of the many, many little hiking trails peppered about the state, and it was beautiful. The woods were gorgeous. The trees were huge, and the ambient noise was soothing. Then suddenly it just stopped. The birds stopped chirping. The insects stopped buzzing and whirring. The breeze stood dead in the woods. The trees and ferns no longer rustled. It was absolute stillness, like a tableau frozen in a moment. I was spooked solid. I felt really uneasy, and a pit was rapidly forming in my stomach. I tensed up as if by instinct because it felt like something was near. Something with a presence and gravitas to make the whole forest silent. Then it passed, whatever it was, and the sounds of nature started up again. To this day, neither I nor my grandmother know what happened. I was doing a day hike with my girlfriend in a national park in Canada, about six hours up, three hours down, so we were pretty tired and trying to make time before the sun set on the mountains. As we are descending the mountain, I spot three men coming up the trail, still very far off, and something just felt. Off. I can't tell you why I had the initial feeling. After thinking about it, we had started up the mountain a little later than we had planned, and there was no one parked at the trailhead, so we absolutely didn't expect people coming up after us, especially since most of the trail is in dense tree cover until you get about four hours up, so there is no point unless you're doing a whole trail. Trying not to freak her out, 
We stop, and I try and get a better view up above us on a little ridge. I see them as they walk through a little clearing in the path, and I notice none of them have packs on, and all three are carrying what I thought might have been rifles, but no packs for sure. Jeans, windbreakers, or sweaters, and the fact that we were in the very middle of one of the most highly patrolled and enforced national parks in Canada means these guys were not hunting, and again, I couldn't really tell what they were holding, but I just had a bad, bad feeling. I told my girlfriend I didn't want to meet these guys on the trail as I had a bad feeling, and we pulled a Frodo under a tree stump like 30 feet off the trail. We waited for like 30 minutes-ish and hear them come up the trail, almost on top of us. They were speaking lower, and I didn't really want to go for a closer look at them, but it sounded like they were arguing as we only caught a couple raised words. As they were passing almost the spot we left the trail, they suddenly stopped on the trail and went quiet for a couple seconds. I held my breath, squeezing her hand. A few seconds passed more, and I can feel my muscles tense. I had my four-inch blade trail knife and a Leatherman, but even if the things they were carrying were just sticks, I couldn't fight them if they saw us. I'm six foot and 160 pounds. I'm not much of a fighter. Suddenly, they started arguing for a while longer and headed back down the trail. We waited ten more minutes and headed down the trail after them going cautiously. At this point, we were both pretty significantly freaked out. When we neared the trailhead, I stopped her and headed out around the side of the parking lot and saw the three guys more clearly. They had a big old red truck and absolutely had rifles. They waited around in the parking lot, taking turns peeking in my car, looking up the trailhead, and after 45 minutes of waiting them out, the sun came down. They piled in and took off. I didn't get a license plate off the truck because it was facing the wrong way but I stopped at the ranger station on the way out of the mountains and let them know, but never heard back. I have no idea what might have happened if I didn't stop. We pass plenty of people on most of the hikes we do, but seriously, that was just too spooky for me. My uncle was with the Canadian Fisheries as an inspector and recently retired. He told me the story of being in one of the Coast Guard ships, and he was to board a Chinese or Japanese ship, don't remember which, was fishing close to the international water. They often do this so that if they have to hightail it because of something illegal, they can escape. As they were getting there, they noticed the ship being lifted from the water slightly and tilted to the side before settling back in the water and rocking hard from side to side, as if something huge rocked them. They thought it was a whale, but the Asian ship wasn't exactly small, and whales don't do that anyway. The best they could make out from the broken English, they thought they saw a submarine rise underneath them, only to go back down super quickly. Turns out it wasn't a United States submarine either. Could have been Russian. I'd been working as a forest ranger for almost five years. A ranger's day could consist of anything from collecting firewood to tracking down missing hikers. And my day began like most. I would wake up early, walking into work and grabbing my binoculars. As I was about to drive out of the forest, I got a call. That day, I was given a new assignment. 
I met up with another colleague, a fellow ranger, and we went to the center of this area where somebody had been reporting hearing strange screaming coming from around a cave system nearby. My partner and I decided that I would be able to handle it by myself. He had other things to do, and this was just another run of the mill investigation for me. After he left, I headed towards that area where there had been several unreported mounds to this cave system. Now let me give you some information. This cave system runs pretty deep and there are guided tours. But I also know that this cave system is very expensive and also having a lot of unidentified entrances and holes that can lean deeper into the system. These are also off-trails, so myself, I've never actually experienced finding more of these, although I know hikers have reported finding many and even leaving makeshift markers to let other hikers know this was an entrance. The parts of the ground here were also dangerous, meaning if you step on the wrong part, the ground below you could collapse, falling into a tunnel. So I had to be very careful about how I approached this entire search. The good news is I wasn't hearing any screaming, so that could be good or bad news. The bad news meaning the hiker, whoever was stuck there, could have been deceased or what. But the good news being that maybe the hiker had gotten themselves out. Anyway, my heart was pounding just by the sheer adrenaline of it. I didn't know why, but something told me to run. It was this feeling in the pit of my gut. As soon as I got there, right around the cavern system, the wind picked up and everything seemed colder than it already was. The gust. Now, I could have begun my investigation in the main entrance, but as I was planning, I heard the scream. It sounded like a person, but they were maybe a couple hundred feet away north. So I marched through the trees, looking, following the source of the screaming, yelling out, Can you hear me? Can you respond? In the screaming ceased. I followed along the rock wall and found this crude hole in the ground. Maybe no larger than five feet. It was raked by a rotted tree stump with only one branch on it. This I knew probably went down into one of the cave systems. This, by the way, was probably no more than 200 feet away from the main entrance. After crouching down, I was able to slide down at a 45 degree angle into this cave system landing in a small chamber that I think connected to the others. I always carry a flashlight with me, so I took it out and turned it on. As soon as I did that, the caves plunged into darkness as my battery instantly died. That's when I heard a loud crash. I turned around, or I should say turned to meet the noise, and my flashlight popped back on. There, like out of some sort of sick Stephen King novel, was this grotesque figure large black eyes covering its entire body, stretching its arms out and moving toward me. And terrified, I wanted to turn and run, but didn't have time as there was another one of these beings coming from the opposite side of the cave, approaching. I turned as fast as I could and fled up the 45-degree incline about the cave. Just as I was turning to climb up, I could hear a third one approaching from directly behind me. Now... I had one coming from my left, my right, and behind me. This one, as I turned and looked, was larger than the other two, completely terrified out of my mind, and the sounds of screaming were now apparent, coming deeper in the cavern. 
I don't know if it was an injured hiker or if these things were making the noise, luring anybody into this tiny crevice, this chamber into the earth. Like I said, the opening to this cavern wasn't large, but I never in a million years would have expected to find things like this. This was horror movie status. I didn't tell anybody else about what I found and kept it to myself. After climbing out of that hole, I ran and I ran and I ran some more, getting back to the station later on. I didn't say a word, and I knew the other rangers wouldn't believe me. And what would I tell them? That I found a cave full of half-arachnids, half-creatures. I mean, they'd probably think I was crazy. Now I've kept this sacred for a while, but how long can I keep it from the rest of the world? Will my story ever be told to other people, or should I just stay quiet about what had happened? Let me just apologize and say I'm sorry for the formatting of the story. I'm a terrible writer, and I'm not a storyteller, so I apologize in advance. But these creatures that I saw were unlike anything I've ever seen. They really reminded me if you crossed a tarantula with a human. I mean, these were gross. They made this hissing, clicking noise, too. I know it sounds phony through email, but it's really hard for me to convey emotion properly, at least through written communication. With all the information coming out anymore about missing hikers and seeing strange figures and shapes in the woods and all the other bizarre happenings of 2020, I figured, hey, maybe now is an okay time to be open about my experiences and hopefully not experience backlash. I sole a sail a lot. I learned to sail when I was little and have done three transatlantic cruises so far. This one time I was doing a transatlantic crossing from the Canaries to St. Lucia. It was late and I was on deck doing an equipment check as per routine when sailing alone. So I am six days into the 14-day journey and it's just nothingness all around. I mean absolutely no lights save for the stars and the moon. I can literally remember this like it was yesterday because I've never seen anything like it before. I was on deck and all of a sudden, it was bright, like midday, full sun bright. Mind you, it was near 2 a.m. at this point, so it made literally no sense. Immediately, I assumed it had to be a flare. Someone needed help. I came to a full stop lowered the sails and began radioing on all the emergency channels in Spanish and English. I did this for almost two hours, circling around and checking the radio. There was nothing. Around the second hour, I gave up. I marked the location of my search pattern and kept going. I had no idea what it was. Never saw anything like it again. The whole night lit up like the sun was out for a good three, four seconds. Unbelievable. Last year, my brother was driving through the dark roads of South Shore, Massachusetts, near the Bridgewater Triangle. It was dark, and there's limited streetlights in the area. As he was driving, he noticed a cloaked figure standing on the tree line at the side of the road. He described it as wearing white robes and looking almost like a clansman, but without the pointy hat. As he drove by, the figure took notice and pivoted towards him very quickly, making direct eye contact. He became frightened enough that he sped away. I often wonder what he might have seen that night. 
Most of the town is very dense forest, and the roads are unwalkable with no shoulders. So whatever it was likely came out of the woods. It unsettles me knowing the amount of acreage it came out of, and whatever this person. If it was a person, was doing on the side of the road watching cars. In July 2018, I was staying in a very isolated region with limited access behind three log gates, 20 miles south of White Thorn, California, on a primitive 4x4 road. This place is at the end of the road, a lost world of primeval forest on the northern border of a vast green belt spreading from Shelter Cove on the Lost Coast, east to Highway 101 and south to Fort Bragg, California. At about 3 a.m. I was awakened. It was a hot, dark, and completely silent July night in these mountains. Something above my tent location, approximately two to three hundred meters, began knocking on wood. It's best described as loud whacks by a big club or branch on a tree trunk. They started one knock, which got my attention. There was a brief hesitation, then several more knocks, but randomly timed. The knocking was loud, so loud that it echoed down the canyon in the stillness. The event lasted only a minute or two. My first thoughts were that there was no one on the mountain who could be out here in the middle of a primitive and protective area. These knocks were from something large, and no North American animal could have made them, listening intently while my mind tried to wrap around how the noise was made. I began to wonder about Bigfoot legends. The night fell silent again. Afterward, I told a few locals and learned that there had been many Bigfoot sightings near Piercy and north of Willow Creek. Fast forward to two weeks ago, while waiting at the first locked gate to the same conservation area, I heard two distinct vocalizations which cannot be explained. As I waited in the dusk for about 45 minutes, waiting to meet a party at the gate who was running late, I heard a very loud wail, scream, or call that I'd never heard before in nature. The sound was coming from the heavily wooded area above me, about two to three hundred meters. I instantly knew where I had heard such an unfamiliar call about three years previous. There's a few second delay from the first call, then a few more, then silence for about a minute leading me to wonder if this whole experience was surreal. It thought that it was an unknown animal, or some kind of implausible prank. It was loud and echoing down the mountain, as though some huge creature could belt with the lungs of Pavarotti, only much louder. The chance of it being a prankster in this wilderness was highly unlikely. Then began another call out at about three to four hundred meters to the north. It was also just as loud, but came only three calls in succession. It had a distinct higher pitch, this absolutely blew my mind because the first call might be attributed to an elk on steroids, but the response brought chills down my spine. I'll never forget that second vocalization as it was so unique, and this was obviously communication between two individuals and possibly a rudimentary language. Another experience happened just the night before the dual vocalizations on a Friday evening in early November 2019. I had just moved into a cabin that my brother and I rented located along an extremely rugged canyon area of the Mattel River. 
It was dusk, quite dark, already in the forest. I was outside, looking at the stars, taking in the newness of these rugged surroundings. Suddenly, there was a screaming that was so loud and so foreboding that I could only listen in amazement. It was the loudest screaming I've ever heard. I thought it was produced by some kind of banshee from a horror film. The screaming continued at full throttle for over five minutes. I know mountain lions can scream, but nothing like this. It sounded much louder, more guttural, literally as if someone had set up loudspeakers and played the bloodiest scream that Hollywood could produce. I wondered if someone was up on the mountainside pranking me as a newcomer to the neighborhood. I listened for a bit, then went inside and told my brother about it because it was so unnerving. Bigfoot did not ever enter my mind. But then at dusk, the very next evening, I heard two calls while waiting at the gate. I've since been over and over in my mind, why have I been so lucky to hear and experience these mysterious sounds, much less three distinct vocalizations which cannot be explained in a 24-hour period? I've been to a lot of different wilderness areas during my life, but those sounds in that specific location were simply remarkable. I've been searching for answers to this for years, but never found anything like it or that could explain. Basically, I'd just moved into a new house in a suburban-ish area in northern United Kingdom. A few months after we were settled, we invited a friend round for some drinks. At somewhere around 1 a.m., 2 a.m., a very loud sound could be heard throughout the house. The closest thing I can compare it to is microphone feedback. It was very high-pitched and almost hurt to hear, except it was more of a defined note than feedback. It started off quietly and was drawn out in the distance, but it sounded like it got progressively closer and louder each time it rung. I say rung because it was like it faded in and out a few times, almost like a long tone. The whole thing lasted only about 20 seconds. Safe to say we were all absolutely freaked out afterwards and had to confirm to each other that we had actually heard it the same. We all brushed it off as too much to drink and some weird electric noise somewhere. Because it was so out of the blue, freaky, and over so quickly nobody thought to record it. A few months later, my fiancé and I were in bed. He was asleep by this point and I was trying to get to sleep. That's when I heard it again. This time it wasn't as loud, almost as if it didn't come as close, but it sounded as if it was traveling. I woke my fiancé up as I was freaked out again, but he was too sleepy to acknowledge anything at this point. The final time it happened was when I was in bed again. This time it woke me up. I didn't bother to wake my fiancé this time as it seemed much quieter this time. Neither of the times when in bed did I have time to record it as I'd have to cross the room to my phone to do so. Any ideas what this could be? We've put it down to some kind of electrical sound. It only seems to happen at night or in the early hours of the morning. The first time we heard it confirms that I'm not the only one who can hear it. I live on an ordinary street with an office building nearby and a few small shops a street away. The area just outside of here is quite rural. I have also heard about these sky trumpets. However, the sounds I have heard are nothing like any of these. No Google search has yielded any results either. 
It was just so loud and odd. It's driving me crazy. I'd just love to have an explanation. Or even someone who might have experienced something similar. About 10, 12 years ago, I remember going fishing with a friend around my family's property in rural South Dakota. I was 14 or 15 at the time and had my learner's permit. We can drive earlier in SD, so I took our small farm truck down to our creek with my friend. I grew up on a farm, and the creek we let our cattle drink from was often full of fish. While fishing, a neighbor of mine drove by and said hi. We had some normal fishing small talk, and he asked if we would like to try fishing his creek on his property. We hadn't had much luck, so my friend and I said we would give it a shot. We followed him to his creek, and he told us we could keep whatever we caught if we wanted. He noticed we also had a 17 HM as a rifle with us. We always have one in our truck in case we had predators around livestock and such. He mentioned he had some badgers digging holes around his stock. Damn, and if we saw one, he would be all right. If we got rid of it so his cattle didn't injure a leg walking to the water. We packed up our stuff and walked down the short dirt road to the creek. The creek was to the east of us and ran in the north or south direction. On the south side of the road there was a hill, formed red from dirt, when the stock dam was dug out for his cattle, and the creek ran into the dam on the other side. We went to the mouth of the dam where the creek led in and fished for a while, noticing it was eerily quiet. Normally there would be a lot of noise on a night like this. No wind in South Dakota means you will be nearing all sorts of bugs, frogs, etc. But there was absolutely nothing. We thought that was strange, but fishes anyway. We were catching a lot of decent-sized fish. My friend was planning to stay at my house for a couple of days, so we decided we would keep a few to fry up the next day for lunch. To do this, we needed our net and stronger to keep the fish. Since it was a short walk, we left our poles where they were. There were no fish big enough to pull them in, and walked back to the truck quick. On the way back, we heard some trashing on the opposite side of the hill mentioned earlier. This was odd because we were just on that side while fishing. When we reached the opposite end, we looked to see if a badger had been there like my neighbor mentioned. There was nothing, but we could see where something had knocked down some cattails and other straw-type grass. What was weird was that way more seemed to be knocked down than what a badger could do. And none had been knocked down while we were on the other side just minutes earlier. Either way, we continued back to get our netting and stringer. This time on our way back, keep in mind the road from truck to fishing spot is probably 100 feet. If that, we heard what sounded like a huge bird flapping around in the same spot as the thrashing. The only large birds we have in that area are vultures, hawks, eagles, and owls. I've seen and heard all of these birds up close before. This sounded much larger, and the flapping was way more sporadic and quick than any of those birds moved their wings. It was very eerie, and we started to get a little scared. We decided to hustle back to where we were fishing to try and see what it was. When we got there, however, again there was nothing. We looked at each other and mentioned how weird it was and joked that it freaked us out a little. Then we noticed something had moved out fishing poles. 
The two poles had swapped places. At first I thought my head was playing tricks, until we saw our lawn chairs. This confirmed something switched the poles because they were sitting near the foot of the opposite chairs now. This really started freaking us out, so we decided to start packing up and leave. As we were packing up, we started to hear a noise coming from the second dirt hill on the opposite side of the pond. Most ponds are dug such that there are two dirt hills on either side. There were cattails and reeds leading around the water to the other hill, where the creek exited the stock dam. Now we could hear footsteps coming from the other side of the hill. We thought maybe it was my neighbor, but then we heard a combination of noises that scared the absolute hell from us. We heard the thrashing from before, coupled with a flapping, and a new noise. This was like a growling or snarling noise, which made no sense. I have heard coyotes, foxes, badgers, opossums, and all other manner of animal I grew up with growl or snarl at some point. This sounded like none, and the footsteps were large and heavy, like a bipedal animal, not soft and swift like a coyote. By now we were absolutely terrified. I grabbed the gun and we sprinted back to the truck. It was getting dark at this point. I told my friend to drive since I had the gun. We got in. He turned the headlights on, and we could see the splashing coming from the stock, damn, from where the truck was parked. We wanted to try and get a better look at what was splashing around, but were too scared. My friend backed us into the road, and we sped home with me clutching the gun the whole way. We never told anyone what happened, and have only mentioned it to each other once to this day. Does anyone have any clue what it could have been? To this day, I still get eerie when driving around the back roads near home. Edit. So someone has asked about my grandpa's UFO story, so I will share that as well. It's nothing spectacular as far as UFOs go, but still interesting in my eyes. I was very, very young when this happened. My mother had been divorced for just a couple years and had been working a lot. After she divorced, she moved us back home with my grandparents. She saved up some money and decided to take my siblings and I on a little family outing for a few days to the Black Hills of South Dakota. I want to say this was around the 4th of July, but I'm not going to say I know that for sure. While gone, my grandfather, grandmother, deceased, and dog, good girl but deceased, were sitting on our porch around nine at night. Our deck on the house faced the west and they were looking outward. I would like to add that there was zero visual obstruction as they were facing a field with zero trees in sight. Our dog began barking and growling. It was not totally out of character as she did this to predators that would venture close to the livestock or poultry. What was strange is my grandparents could not see anything around. As if from nowhere, they saw the UFO materialize almost instantaneously in the sky over our pasture. Our dog continued barking, and my grandparents stood awestruck. My grandfather described the UFO as four large lights arranged in a vertical fashion with four smaller lights orbiting it in a figure-eight sort of pattern. He said it seemed relatively close to the ground, but it never made any noise, and there was never any dust lifted from the ground from a propulsion source. This was before camera phones were popular, and so my grandfather ran inside to get our cam. Quarter. 
When he returned, it disappeared. My grandfather said that my grandmother saw it dart off into the night sky. My grandparents were completely flabbergasted by what happened. Having no idea what they had just seen, the consulted books, our family actually had a very large assortment of books. To avail through that, they turned to the Internet. I can't imagine trying to research something like this. I'm on dial-up in the late 90s, but nonetheless, they found similar images with UFO headlines. My grandparents were very religious and never entertained the idea of something like this until they saw one, probably part of the reason my grandfather was so apprehensive about sharing with others. He would not believe it himself had he been told. After this, they were very open to the idea of the paranormal and still maintained their faith. They just accepted that there were things they could explain through their religion and accepted that. They actually would watch a lot of programs on TV about paranormal stuff, which got me interested early on. I would also like to add, my grandfather is a very credible man. He served as a United States Army Ranger in Vietnam and worked on a lot of covert operations. He was relatively high up towards the end of his active duty career. We have several photos of him in the Pentagon, some talking with who I believe was the Secretary of Defense at the time. Not 100% sure, but I know was a high-ranking official. At this time, my grandfather was still actively working with the recruiting office at our local National Guard base. He had a very good idea of aircraft capabilities of most types of aircraft from when he served, all the way to the time he saw the UFO. He has seen, shot out of, and been shot at by all manner of aerial weaponry. Nothing he has seen had maneuvering capabilities like what he saw or, or the ability to stay silent while maintaining low-level flight and cause no ground disturbance from the propulsion system. He also claimed that had something been flying the craft, it would have to have been very small. A humanoid creature would have to be roughly the size of a child to adequately move in the craft. I've never seen a UFO. And I guess I have never technically outright seen a humanoid being, but I have had a strange encounter that is unexplainable by conventional means, and I believe my grandfather did as well, albeit a different type of encounter. I live in a small wood cabin on a farm in the countryside of Catalonia, Spain. Usually shared with one other person, I had a few weeks alone. Never locked the door. Hot weather means bedroom window is open, although wooden shutters are closed, with thin gaps to outside. Pitch black surroundings. I had one of those nights where it's hard to sleep. Around 4 a.m., I hear screaming in the distance. There are around five typically sized fields between cabin and the village. Although this is far, I assume it's someone in the village messing around. Goes quiet. Starts again. This time it's clear that the person is screaming something. Although not a native to the area, I know this isn't language. It's gibberish. He is screaming words that completely don't make sense, and that I've found it impossible to imitate sense, and he's screaming them angrily. I'm on edge now. But I tell myself it's a drunk person on their way home in the night. Half an hour later, I've calmed down, and it's been quiet for quite a while. 
Then I hear the voice again. This time there is no screaming. I can hear them speaking the gibberish at a normal level. This means that they are within the property. I freeze, too frightened to go lock my front door. The front door area has a lot of windows and I'm afraid to see them. Them to see me and instead stare at my bedroom door with a plan to barricade should I hear someone entering the cabin. The muttering fades away just as the sun begins to rise. I lock my door now.